Welcome to the Hope Church Port St. Lucie Sermon of the Week. We pray you enjoy this message by Pastor Justin Gaston. For more information about Hope Church and other resources, please visit IamHope.Church. I heard God speak to me about crisis. About I'm 25 now, and so I began to have a conversation with myself. That's the weirdest thing ever. Y'all ever did that? I was like, man, I'm 25. What have I done up to now, right? Get it together, sir. So I was having this conversation, and, and I began to research um, crisis. And I learned that there's a, there's a quarter-life crisis, there's a mid-life crisis. Scott can relate. I'm going to talk a little bit about crisis this morning. So, so the entire month of December, we're going to go through this series called Confirmation in Crisis. Because I believe that God can get you a word in the most difficult seasons of your life. That there is, there is no season that you will walk through that God will not speak to you. Amen? So, God, we thank you for the, your word this morning. We thank you right now that it's prophetic, that it would transform who we are as people, that we walk out of here completely different, God. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Like, let me get everybody to stand up for me real quick. Just stand up for me. Now, if you're sitting next to someone with the same skin color, I want y'all to mix it up a little bit. Let's get some Oreos in here this morning. Because I see a lot of segregation in God's church, and that's not how, not how heaven looks this morning, right? So I want y'all to just, just move around a little bit, shake it up a little bit. Let's, let's spice it up because I feel a lot of tension right now. I want to call some things out. So move around. Find somebody that you don't necessarily sit to. Look at some of y'all are religious and stubborn. I'm not moving. This is my seat right here. I'm not going to go anywhere this morning. I sit here every third Sunday. I'm not moving this Sunday. Mix it up a little bit first Sunday. Y'all all right? Woo! Like I've identified some stuff this morning. We're going to talk about it in a minute right here. We're going to talk about it. All right, now sit down, sit down, sit down. There we go. We look better now. So at some point in our lives that we all go to this stage where we um, have this crisis. We have this midlife crisis. When you're 25, when you're 25, it's called a quarter-life crisis. You can keep playing, Derek. And it's just during this time that we begin to question our purpose. Why am I here? How did I get here? 25, you've gotten a college degree, you've done high school, you got diploma, and you realize that your degree does not have a job anywhere around you. You just got a whole bunch of student loans, and you're working at, you know, Subway somewhere. And you begin to question your, your entire purpose, God, why am I here? Why am I here, God? And, and <laughs> one thing I realize is that at 25 and older, you begin to realize that so much of what you were brought up learning was a fantasy that life ain't Disney World, that Prince Charming ain't going to come into your house and kiss you and wake you up. We begin to learn that you can't leave your, your shoe nowhere and somebody come on your door knocking on it and that's your husband. So many things that we are, are, are programmed to think, hey, this is how life is going to go. And at 25, reality hits and you realize, hey, that's, that's, this is not life. I wish they would have taught me about budgeting in high school and not chemistry because I haven't used chemistry yet. I haven't killed a pig and dissected him yet. Help me out, education system. Quarter-life crises, man. Then we have this mid-life crisis when your children are leaving the house. Amen, parents. Kids gone. Praise God. 
Ready for your kids to leave? Anybody? <laughs> this midlife crisis, man, kids are out of the house, and you're slapped in the face with the reality that for 18, of your, 18 years of your life that you were just mom and dad, that you forgot yourself and, and being a parent, that you spent almost 20 years of your life just being a parent and you lost your own identity. And you come into this midlife crisis where, where they've grown up. They've gone their way, but who are you now? Because for so long, your identity was parent. And one of the biggest times of divorce is, is when the kids leave the house. Because now I'm forced to re- with the reality that I've never, for the last 20 years, I haven't been husband. I've been dad. <laughs> I haven't been wife. I've been mom. And so now my kids are gone, I'm forced to, to actually have a relationship with somebody that I've actually been with for the last 30 years. And so you see divorces are actually happening at the 20 and 30 year mark now. And we're scratching the head and you're trying to realize, hey, what? how do you go 20, 30 years and, and still get a divorce because you spent so much time being the parent that you lost your identity inside of that? It, it's a midlife crisis. It's, it's when your kids are gone and they come back home and they can't, they can't understand, hey, why is mom and dad separated now? Because they, they thought everything was good. And that's how we are as Christians sometimes is that we can cover things up for a long time. But there comes a point of reality that, hey, what I used to cover up can't be covered up anymore because now my kids are gone. Now I have to actually deal with the person that I have been living with. It's a midlife crisis where you've worked X amount of years and you look at your bank account and it still says check by check, week by week, same check, no, no, no savings. You spent 30 years of your life working at one job and now you have a bad body and no retirement money. And, you, and it's like, God, what's happening now? A midlife crisis. Then we have this Christianity crisis. Amen? And I believe that some people were saved out of emotions and not understanding. I'm going to say it again because it's quiet in here. Some, some people were saved out of emotions and not understanding. You... You reacted to the atmosphere of the room, but not the conviction of your heart. And so when we do that, we have this fantasy that God is going to rescue us out of every situation. Because that was the thing that was preached when you came down for the altar call. And so we have this fantasy world when it comes to Christianity that if I become a Christian, that means that everything in my life is going to work out automatically. Let me mess with your theology this morning is that if if that was true, why did Jesus say, Father, why have you forsaken me? I'm going to mess with your head a little bit this morning. That's all right? It's a a Christianity crisis where the fantasy of God is going to get me out of everything. The fantasy is that if I tithe one time, that means I got to check in my mailbox the next day. Come on, somebody. Any witnesses in here? The fantasy that, hey, God says that if you give, it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running. But that don't happen next week. Sometimes your seed needs time to develop. Fantasy versus reality. Y'all all right? David said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. How does David, one of the greatest worship leaders in the Bible, go through affliction? How does that happen? Because he understands that the reality sometimes that God will leave you into something. Write this down, write this down. 
Because sometimes a real test of love is not based on how much I get you out of, but how much I let you stay in. <laughs> God says, I love you so much, Jesus, I'm going to let you stay in it because I know you staying in it will fulfill your purpose. God says that, hey, sometimes it's not about getting you out of it. It's allowing you to stay in it. Peter, I almost drowned. Well, Peter was walking on water and he almost drowned. Now, how do you keep your eyes on Jesus and still almost drown? Then the Bible says that Jesus reached down before he almost drowned, brought him up. They walked back to the boat. And the Bible says that when Jesus got back on the boat, that people began to worship. Now, think about this in perspective that, that Peter is probably cold because he's wet, right? Anybody love God enough to worship while you're wet? <laughs> to say, God, I kept my eyes on you, but I still went under. But I, I'm not going to allow my disappointment in the situation to affect how good you are. Because in spite of how I feel this morning, God, you're still good. God, <laughs> In spite of me still having to go through that divorce, God, you're still good. God, in spite of me believing in you for supernatural healing and it didn't come, now I got to have surgery. God, you're still good. Peter realized that, hey, I, I, I had my eyes on you. I got distracted. I almost drowned. You reached out. You picked me up. I'm back on the boat. I'm cold. I'm shivering. But guess what, God? You still deserve my worship. You still deserve my praise. Anybody thank God this morning that regardless of, your, of what you're going through in life, that God is still worthy of your praise, still worthy of your worship. Sometimes it's not about your praise coming out. It's your praise while you're in it. It takes a mature Christian to praise God while you're in a situation. Learn how to praise God while you're in the pit, Joseph. Pastor John preached it last week. Do you have a worship in your worst conditions? Because there's a song to sing in every season of your life. Christianity crisis. One of the hardest things to embrace is that we've been taught fantasy and not scripture. Well, when I read the Bible for myself, when I stopped just going off of what the preacher was saying and actually read the Bible for myself, you'll realize there's, there's been a lot of things that have been taught to you just to get you to respond to something. And it's not scripture, it's fantasy. Because only God can judge me is Tupac, not scripture. And you walking around thinking you can do what you want to do, but the Bible says that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so there is a certain standard you have to live by that, that God says that if you don't live according to this standard, you won't see me. Messing with your theology this morning. Write this down. When expectations have been rooted in fantasy, it produces a identity crisis. When expectations have been rooted in fantasy, it produces a identity crisis. Many of us, especially during this time of year, go through this identity crisis. When we begin to compare 2016, begin to look back, begin to ask God why certain things happen. The church in America right now is going through an identity crisis. Because one minute we don't want racism, but the next minute we go on social media and I realize you don't like white people on your, on your social media account. One minute we want revival, but we don't want the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit means that some people may not like the church anymore. It's, a, I, it's this identity crisis that we have, to, we have to figure out who we are. One minute we won't change until we get changed and realize we want it to be how it used to be. In the church in America, now I wish they would 
change the atmosphere. It's so dark in here where we got lights. The lights too bright. You know, I just wish you would get the screen working. Well, you know, the screen is too high and I can't really see it. Wish you would get racism out the church, but you don't have no white friends. You don't have no black friends. We have to decide who we're going to be as God's church. We have to have to ask God to identify us as who we are. It's this, this identity crisis inside the church. Different things change every Sunday. One minute you want a man, the next minute you want to be independent. I-N-D-E-N-E-T. You know what that is. Who are you? I don't need nobody. Jesus, who you bust with a bow ass? One minute you want to be respected, but then you're twerking on social media. Are you Proverbs 31 or Revelations 4? Like, <laughs> it's a, I don't get it. One minute you want a wife, but you don't want to grow up. You don't want to, you don't want to stop playing 2K. And, and she at the mall, but you with your homeboy smoking weed playing 2K. And, you got to decide what you want to do. It's an identity crisis, man. Somebody say, we got to grow up. That's what we got to do this morning. Title of my message, I always do it halfway in or at the end. It's called Get It Together. Tell your neighbor, get it together. We got to decide who we want to be. When you don't know who you are, the trajectory of your life will be dictated by what you allow the most access to your thoughts. When you don't know who you are, your life will be dictated by what you allow access to your thoughts. Because the Bible says that as a man thinketh, so is he. So you become your thoughts. So when I don't know what the Bible says about me, whatever you say about me and it gets in my mind, I'm going to start to become that thing. When you don't know who you are, your thoughts will dictate your life. So you got to change your thoughts to change your life. So, so the Bible says, as a man thank you, so is he. This is why, this is why men and, and single moms, we have to be the ones that speak over our children. Because if we don't speak over this generation, whatever they see on social media and TV gets in their mind and they think they can become that thing. We have to be the prophetic voices in this generation's life. That says, hey, you are not that, you are this. You're a child of God. You are a daughter of a king. It's that Caleb spirit that says, hey, as for me and my house, I, I don't care what little Tommy doing. <laughs> I don't care what Shanique was doing. Well, let me tell you what, when the, when the street lights come home, you need to be in the house. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's that Caleb spirit that we have to grasp as parents and prophesy over our children who they are and who they are not. You're not that. You're this. Realizing who we are because it takes courage. It takes courage in this time for these kids. So we have to identify them who they are this morning. Romans 12, verse 2. Go to it for me in your Bibles. If you got to say, I got it. You gotta say, I got it. You gotta say, I got it. it. Should be up on the screen. Watch this. It says, it says not, it says, and well, let's do let's do verse one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, 
Back up. A living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, what happens a lot of times is that we get saved, but our minds don't get transformed. We give our lives to Jesus, but we still think the same way. And so we're saved, but we're passive. <laughs> God told Joshua, be, be strong. Be means that he focused on his mentality, not his physical ability. He says, Joshua, for where you're going, you're going to have to think yourself strong sometimes. So a lot of times we get saved, but our minds don't get transformed. Paul says to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when we get saved and not transformed, we're saved, but we're weak-minded. And we take, let people walk all over us and talk about us. Watch this, watch this. We're saved, but we're irresponsible. <laughs> we're saved, but we got attitudes. Because of, we, we haven't transformed our minds to, to realize that, hey, the person that, that used to get on my nerve is not the person that I'm, I'm here to fight with anymore. Now my mind has to be transformed to think now God has put me in a position to reach that person. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Tell your neighbor to get your mind right. Tell your neighbor to get your mind right. You say what you still sleep around. Not with multiple people, just one person. Because if you're not in covenant, what's the difference? You've given your life to Jesus, but your mind still belongs to him. <laughs> That's why the Bible stressed the importance of your mind being transformed. Because you still haven't fully understood how valuable you are. That's why you continue to sleep around everybody. You can always gauge the value of something based off the price you're willing to pay for it. Where your phone at, Scott? This is our phone, right? If I, say, if I say, Scott, I want to give you $20 for that phone. If he gives it to me for $20, he just told me that's the value of the phone. Let me break that down somewhere. If I go on eBay and realize that the phone is actually worth $200, it doesn't matter. So, 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 when, so when God says that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit, but you give it to me outside the covenant of marriage, it no longer matters what the scripture says because you now just identify what's the price for it. When you don't know the value of yourself, when you don't know who you are and how valuable you are to God, you teach yourself sometimes. Understanding the value. So, so two things happen is that when I understand my value, I won't settle for less. When I understand my value, I won't settle for less. Cause, so if Scott understood the value of that phone, that it was $200, and I came and I said, hey, Scott, I got $50 on your phone. He's, I put away childish things. So the point of maturity wasn't in what I gained. It was in what I released. I'm going to say it again. The point of maturity wasn't in what I got more of. It was what I released. Paul says that my transition from a child to a man was based off of what I released. He says, I put away childish things. 
we have to sometimes realize, hey, my toys don't work in this season no more. Paul says that there are some things we have to get rid of. If you desire to mature in your walk with Jesus, you have to learn what to release sometimes. What people, what things. Time to put your toys up. Because you can't take your toys into the next year. You've outgrown your toys. And the reason why sometimes we experience disappointment is because we've outgrown things that we're trying to still fit in. The reason why you are disappointed because you've outgrown a place you're still trying to fit in. Where my car see that? Where my car see that? Scott, come here, Scott. You, you sat there, so you just like every illustration this morning. Sit, sit in the car seat for me. Sit in the Scott is like eight feet tall. Just sit down, sit down. Sit down. We'll just sell your phone and get a new one because we know it's $200. Ain't too bad, is it? <laughs> so watch this. Scott can't be mad when the car seat doesn't function properly because he doesn't fit it. He's outgrown it. So he can't be mad when, he, when it's time to buckle up and it doesn't function. I can't, come here, come here, Howard. Be careful now. If that chair breaks, Howard can't be mad because he doesn't fit it. It won't function because he doesn't fit it. This won't function because it, it don't fit. It won't function because it don't fit. Some of you are working jobs that you don't fit in anymore, so you don't function right. Some of you are, are, are in relationships you don't fit in anymore, so it don't function right. Some of you are around people you don't fit with anymore, so the relationship don't function the right way. What are you trying to fit in and it doesn't function? Paul says, hey, when I became a man, I realized this won't function the same way it did when I was a child. That, that my prayer life has to have a transition sometimes. Because Jesus' wealth won't work in this season no more. My bad time. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before the Lord, I take my Lord my soul. That won't work when you're 25 and your kids are having demonic attacks. You got to learn how to call some things down. You got to learn how to bring things into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Paul said that has to be wrong. And so if you got child verbiage, it won't work in grown man atmosphere. And you wonder why demons don't listen to you because you don't, because you're still talking like a child in the natural. So in the spirit, it don't matter. Paul says, I had to change the way I spoke. I spoke different. And he says that I understood as a child. Children, when we go to school, we got this thing called comprehension tests, right? Testing how you understand your appreciation for what you read. He says, I, I'm, I understood as a child. So, so when, you, when you lack comprehension, you ask this, this question, why? Any parents hate when your kids ask you why? Say, why well, I can't have ice cream? I grew up, and mama said, grandma said, come in the house. And I said, why? I'm not here right now. I'm with Jesus in heaven. Comprehension. So Paul says that, hey, when I got older, Paul realized that if I want to mature, 
I have to stop asking God why about everything. Stop asking God why and start trusting God with the what. A lot of you have delayed your own self because you want to ask God why so much. Why this? Genesis 22, go, go to it for me real quick. 22, uh, chapter, verse 3. Watch this, this is early the next, so God tells Abraham to go and sacrifice his son Isaac, his only son. Well, really, he had a side chick, so he got a baby on the side. Y'all know how that is. Don't do me like that. It's real life. They was in Canaan. Real housewives of Canaan. It's in the Bible. That ain't new. <laughs> the God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there. As a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. So go back. He don't know where he's going. God says, I'm going to show you as you go. Now, now, now go to uh, verse 3 for me. What's the first word? Early the next morning. So Abraham didn't ask God why. God, why sacrifice Isaac? No, he got up early. Early means that he got up with urgency. And he did what God said even when he didn't have clarity. Maturity is learning to obey God without all the clarity. One of the biggest things that is hindering your faith from working is that you desire so much clarity. And too much clarity puts you in control. Because what what good is God when you know everything? God God is asking asking you to do some things that you are afraid to do. And so you spent two months fasting for clarity and you haven't got clarity yet because the Bible says that without faith it's impossible to please God and so what that means is that faith actually rejects God needs to give you clarity what are you trusting God for that you haven't acted on because you want to know everything about it Abraham got up early the next morning and did what God says do and watch this the Bible says that when he was about to sacrifice Isaac this angel stopped him and it says that Abraham looked and saw a ram in the bush. You know the story, right? But here's my thing, Mike. Here's my thing. Abraham does not see the ram in the bush until he sacrifices Isaac. Abraham does not see the provision until he takes the risk. A lot of times you have, you, you have stayed where you are too long because you don't think God is going to be there for you. Abraham could have stayed where he was but never seen the provision, which, which was the ram. It wasn't until Abraham took a risk that he saw the provision. What, what are you saying, Pastor Justin? I'm saying if God has called you to take a risk, you won't see the provision until you actually do what God said. But hey, Abraham knew something about God. So he coached his family along. Because Isaac said, Dad, I see the wood, I, I see the fire, but where is the sacrifice? Abraham said, the Lord will provide. That's a faith declaration. Some of you better start declaring over yourself, even when you don't see it, that, that the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. He says that, Paul says, I understood differently. And he says that when I was a child, I thought as a child. Children think they can be everything because we've coached them that way. You can be anything you want to be. I don't, that's something that I personally don't agree with. If God tells me before I was formed in my mother's womb that he knew me, that there is something in specific that he's called me to be, 
And one of the most disappointing things is when you're 25 years old and your parents told you to be a doctor and you hate being a doctor because it's not God's purpose for your life. So we need to learn how to coach kids on what God's purpose for their life is and not just be anything that makes money. Come on, African-American people. That basketball is not the only way out the hood. <laughs> that, that, that football is not the only way out the hood. That, that God has a call on your life. Maybe to lead people to Jesus Christ in your hood. And that you can actually be what God has called you to be and not have to compare yourself with LeBron James. Come on, man. Paul says that now I'm a man I think different. So what happens is that, 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 that we grow up with this imagination. That we can be anything we want to be and we don't become what God wants us to be. Now you're 30 years old. You go to school for cosmetology. And to be a nurse. You work at TJ Maxx and you lead worship. Like, what do you want to be? You got four different things you're trying to do. Paul says, I had to stop thinking that I could do everything for everybody, that I could be everything for everybody. I had to realize that God has called me to one purpose. What is your purpose this morning? Who has God called you to be, not to do? Who has God called you to be? Paul says, now I think different. Paul says, now I know what my calling is. And everything outside my calling, I stop entertaining. When you realize what God has called you to do, you will stop entertaining everything else that doesn't matter. One of the biggest things you got to do in 2017 is stop giving your energy to things that don't affect your calling. You got to stop giving your energy, your time to people that don't have any value to your calling. If God has called me to be a dentist, why well, I'm still in the studio trying to put a mixtape out? You 50 years old, tell me I lick in my mixtape. Check this out, though. I got, I got three tracks on there. Check this out. One of them a song, the other one a remix, and the other one an instrumental. I got three tracks on there. Check them out, dog. That ain't your calling? Somebody say, let it go. Paul says that when I was a child, I thought I could rap, but now I got I to gotta let that go. Because I got kids I got to feed. <laughs> I can't be in the studio. y'all laughing? <laughs> and I can't be in the studio rapping at 55 years old. It ain't, I got to let it go. <laughs> he said 55 cents. <laughs> if it doesn't add value to your calling, it doesn't deserve your attention. If it doesn't add value to your calling, it doesn't deserve your attention. But when I don't know what my purpose is, I don't know how to prioritize my life. And so I have things in my life that aren't really priority. So the point I'm trying to make this morning is what's in your life this morning you need to release? That 2016 has taught you, hey, I've tried to do it all year long, but it has no value. It's not adding to me. If you desire to grow up, Paul says, hey, my speaking has to change. My understanding has to change. And my thoughts have to change. Send to your feet for me. Send to your feet. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that you are blessed by God's word. To find out more information about Hope Church or to financially partner with us to continue sharing the gospel, please visit iamhope.church.